1: the strange realities conference strange realities come join us for one day of presentations on the paranormal with live music at night featuring tim banal the rise and fall of the flat earth
2: theory joshua Kutchin, alien hybrid lore joe damari pushing the limits of reality Guy Malone, Roswell 1947, What Really Happened, Timothy Renner, Pennsylvania Wildman, and added to the lineup, Mark Anthony Wyatt, Cornish legends and UFO sightings, Zach Hunt, presentation of his book, Unraptured,
1: followed by a live recording of the Conspiranormal podcast, more speakers and music acts to be announced, October 19, 2019, SIR National. tickets and
2: info at www.strangerealitiesconference.com, $40.00 at the door, 30 bucks pre-sale.
3: Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something strange, if you've had an encounter with a cryptid like Bigfoot, if you've seen a ghost, if you've had an encounter with a UFO or an alien, if you've seen a strange entity like Flannel Man or Bunny Man, we'd love to hear your stories. You can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a message. Our voicemail number is 717-347-8554. Right now, that's probably going to be the fastest way to get us your story. We're pretty backed up with interviews. So if it's a short encounter, again, call 717-347-8554. If you get cut off, you can always call back and continue your story. Between Albatwitch Day and the Strange Realities Festival this weekend, and Where the Footprints End, which I'm working on with Joshua, our book, I have had to cancel a lot of interviews over the past couple of weeks. I've just not had time to do them. So I do want to apologize for everyone I had to cancel with. We will reschedule those interviews. We'll get you back on the schedule. Please be patient with me. My schedule should open up a little bit when I get back from the Strange Realities Conference next week. Alba Twitch Day was fantastic. I had a wonderful time. You will hear Soraya and I talk about that a little bit in the episode upcoming, so I won't talk about it too much here. But I just want to thank everybody that came out to Albatwitch Day. Thanks to all the listeners. You really made my day. I had just a wonderful time. So tonight's episode, I bring on Soraya and Adam and Serfael. And it's just kind of a relaxed episode. We talk about the Strange Realities Conference. We talk about Albatwitch Day. I read a couple of listener encounters with Flannel Man And we just have a general conversation. Before we get to that conversation, I did want to mention that Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. Without you, we could not make Strange Familiars. If you'd like to help us make Strange Familiars and get extra episodes besides, you can become a patron at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. For just $3 a month, you get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We try to do more than one every month, but we do promise at least one full episode every month. There are other levels of support there as well for things like t-shirts and signed copies of my books and music and more. You can check it all out at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can always go to strangefamiliars.com, look in the show notes, and you will see a paypal.me link. With that, you can make a one-time donation, and of course, that helps us a great deal as well. Another way everyone can help is by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, wherever, and leave us those nice five-star reviews, because that helps get the podcast in front of new potential listeners. So now let's get to my conversation with Soraya and Adam and Serfiel. I am welcoming Soraya from Where Did the Rogue Go to Strange Familiars. How you doing, Soraya? All right. And Adam from ConspiraNormal. What's up, guys? And Surfail from ConspiraNormal as well. What's up? How's it going, guys?
2: Good. Very good.
3: So, How's it going with you guys? Uh, well, we're just back from uh, Alba Twitch Day. Soraya came down for his second Albatwitch day, but not in a row. You didn't come last year, did you? Correct.
2: Or as Soraya says, Albatwitch.
3: Albatwitch. <laughs> <laughs> is that a metal guy thing? I have a friend who's into metal. He pronounces it the same way.
4: Well, it looks like Albat and witch, so
3: Albatwitch. Yeah, I was like, is it to emphasize the bat and the witch? Or...
2: I don't know. I kind
4: of thinking, figured witch was its own thing.
2: It's more metal that way. We'll see if
1: that's how Mark Anthony Wyatt pronounces it. He's not quite
4: a metalhead, though.
1: No, but he, he's more of a rock. Think, I think the ac- I think the accent, though. Uh, yeah. okay,
3: okay. It's a German word, though, so it doesn't count.
1: <laughs> and how do you say it in a German accent?
3: I don't know. I don't have a German accent, but I am but from which... the lands of the Pennsylvania German, and it's generally Alba Twitch here. So I believe you pronounce native words the way the natives pronounce them. I believe that's the way you handle pronunciation. For instance, there there's a town in Maryland which has a French name, which pronounced in the correct French, I believe, would be Av de Gras, but in Maryland we called it Haver de Grace. <laughs> oh,
2: no, do you really?
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We'll see the so where I'm to where I'm from in Chattanooga. There's um. What is should be pronounced Lafayette, Georgia, but it's everybody the natives say Lafayette. Yeah, that's so people say right
3: here Lafayette, Lafayette.
4: Yeah. All right, then. Yes, Albatwitch was great.
3: I had a blast. I absolutely had yeah, a blast too. The strange, familiar <laughs> listeners that came out clad in flannel—that was just an incredible <laughs> sight to see. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Even you're starting
2: a cult. You're starting a cult, Tim.
3: I'm doing what's my what's best.
4: Well, not only that, but everyone wanted on his uh, haunted tour, and so like there were what? So only supposed to be like forty people, and there were like a hundred.
3: There was over seventy for sure, and uh, some of so, those hey, people did not pay. They yeah. were on the honor system, and and some of those people did not pay. So if you're listening, and and I'm not talking about the Strange Muir's listeners because I know they they filled up the reservations quickly, but I know some people just showed up, and were like, "Hey, we want to go on the tour." You owe the Columbia Historic Society. You don't owe me any money. I was doing it for the Columbia Historic Preservation Society, so you owe them ten dollars if you didn't pay for that tour.
4: yeah hey, uh, and here's Tim, you know, his wizardly looks with his staff walking down the street in Columbia with like a hundred people following him <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see pictures of that well the, we, 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 have, have, we have here. pictures and video. I did I did videotape his, his spots where you know, I videotaped the whole thing, but I'll edit it down to his
2: spots.
3: Yeah, I think awesome. it it for my first ghost tour I think I think it went well. I think I did well, all right. I, you I, did great, honestly. I, did you
2: have to make anything up?
3: No, I don't make anything up. I it was all legit stories. It's a lot of history. You know, there's a lot yeah. of town history and stuff. It is a very historically yeah. significant town. So it's easy to talk the history there. I mean there's What's a the
2: What's the significance of the town? What's the besides besides it's like on a really major river? What's what's some of the historical significance of it?
3: It's really like the the sort of I don't want to say the home or the genesis point, but but it, it was a major <laughs> access in the Underground Railroad. There were it makes se- sense. there were several uh, very wealthy free black men that lived in town, and others that lived in York that had strong connections to the town of Columbia. And uh, they had a really, really extensive network kind of built to bring slaves up from the south and get them over that river and get them free. And it's it's really an amazing story. And uh, when I'm done with this Bigfoot stuff, it may be a book. Oh, mm. well, nice. It's, yeah. inc- it's just an incredible story. It's an absolutely incredible story. And, and it ties in... It, into it that- is...
2: It is a nice little town. I was there a couple of years ago.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's... Oh, yeah,
4: that's right. Adam came out with me the, f- the
2: first time I went out. Yep. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: yeah. Yeah,
2: I drove to Ithaca the night before and then drove right back down where I came from and then
4: <laughs> right back up. <laughs> you just stayed there and then drove back up.
3: <laughs> we moved the location, so we used to have it on the street, and we moved it to the Columbia Crossing Center, so it's right along the river now. It The venue is so much better. I mean, it's just... Ridiculous! How much better it was, and really just to see everyone having a good time, and just to be able to hang out, and you know, with and people came to you know see soraya I saw people in "Where Did the rogue Go" shirts, and uh, they were just taking pictures with us, and just seemed happy. Just everybody seemed really, really happy. and It was just such a good thing to just look around and just just see people mm-hmm. having a good time, and just sitting around talking with nice. listeners. And at some point, Saraya is so deep into conversation over over on the side. I just was like what you're doing. Where did the rogue go over there? <laughs>
4: Oh, that, that was with Chris Ernst, who's been on Where Did the Road Go?
3: Oh, okay. So, so yeah, he, li- you literally were doing a Where Did the Road Go?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely thinks similar to the way I think about some of this stuff, and that that was an interesting conversation. I remembered that he had come on because he did a, a, a film called Corpse, which is a modern-day experimental retelling of The King in Yellow. And I really liked it and had him on. And we talked about that and various paranormal stuff and Lovecraft and things like that. And he had wanted to come back on at some point, maybe join in a roundtable. And I just never got around to to bringing him back on, Uh, partially because he's not on social media at all. So, you know, I actually have to email him. It's weird. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, he came out and I I didn't even remember to mess. You know, like I talked to him earlier this year about it. And he was like, yeah, I'll totally be out there. And, like, maybe Wednesday, I thought, oh, crap, I never reminded him. And I went online and noticed he said he was going to put it in his calendar. And I emailed him anyway. And he's like, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me, but it is in my calendar. And I'm like, okay, good. Mm-hmm. And he's also an, an old-school metalhead on top of everything else.
3: You guys were in deep. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I, I only yeah. caught parts of that conversation, but I was like, jeez. Yeah, and, uh,
4: you know, I liked him when I had him on the show. I like him even more now that I've met him.
3: Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I mean, what a good day. It was just, just a really good yeah. day. Yeah, overall. I didn't see any Where the Road Go shirts. You didn't? No, the one guy oh. was wearing one. Huh, I didn't even notice. He, I think he had flannel over top, but he was he, it was open, and, and oh, he was wearing okay. Where the Road Go shirt <laughs> The combo.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he was representing there, both podcasts.
4: There was a guy there watching your talk who had a Worm Quartet shirt on, and I was like, oh my God, there's someone with a Worm Quartet, and a Worm Quartet's a comedy musician that's up from this area who's a good friend of mine. And like... You paused in your talk, and I tapped him, and I said, cool shirt, Worm Quartet, and gave him a thumbs up, and he just gave me a look like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, maybe I, maybe you don't want to be bothered. I'm not going to do that again.
2: You just got a glare.
4: It, it was a confused look, and apparently when I turned around to walk away, he continued to look at me really confused. <laughs>
2: maybe he just got that at Goodwill or something and that was what it was
1: or maybe you're <laughs> expecting that it was like when someone wears a metal t-shirt and you can just like get instant metal brotherhood like that but it's not yeah. really happening
4: yeah yeah. I guess com- s- comedy synth punk doesn't have that sort of brotherhood comedy synth punk <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we had a lot of people relate a lot of weird stories to us. I met a few people who had sent in stories that we've talked about on uh, "Where Did the Road Go?" on the listener story stuff. So that was really cool. I mean, everyone was everyone was great. Honestly. Oh yeah,
3: it was such a good day. I mean, just just a, a wonderful day. Like I, I was, and I mean this literally, I was literally moved almost to tears. It, it went so well, and just to see every, see everybody just be that happy, and you know. Excited to meet us and to meet Chad and take pictures with all of us, and it was just—it was really wonderful. I just had a great day.
4: And then who was the? And and then then afterwards you meet Chad, Gwen, and your daughter. Went out to Burger King, and <laughs> and we swapped uh, mosh pit stories.
3: Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> I I made an anthrax pun just for Soraya that only Soraya got.
2: <laughs> <laughs> who were the? Uh, who were some of the other speakers there?
3: There's uh there was uh. Rick Fisher, who's uh, he's local to Columbia, and he's written Ghost of the River Towns, and he wrote I think I think it's called Ouija Going Wild with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. He wrote that with her about uh, Ouija Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And he he's he's such an awesome guy. I guess some guy came up and saw his Ouija board book and was like, "What? Why would you? Why would you write that? Why would you write about that evil stuff or something like that?" And Rick told him, "Just leave. Said, Just leave. Get out of here. <laughs> you, you need to leave." Why don't you go go home? He says, <laughs> "Go, Rick." It's amazing, but uh, yeah, Rick, Rick talked. Uh, we had with um, John Sable. There's a local naturalist that talked. Uh, Jack Hubley. I believe he brought some like wild animals and stuff. I, I missed his talk because it, my honestly my table was swamped all day. It was. Just, yeah, it really was. Just talking to people and just handling that stuff, selling books and T-shirts, and I didn't get a chance to peel away and see any other speaker. And, uh, I know we had one or two more speakers and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who they were, but, uh, sorry. Some, somebody spoke about, uh, the, the Falk monster, which I really wanted to see and missed that. And then, uh, there was another, there was a woman who spoke about strange creatures, I believe as well.
1: That's so cool. that You're able to do that. Like, uh, you're almost like being in a band. You get to just, you know, post up and sell, sell books and t-shirts instead of records and t-shirts
3: <laughs> yeah I, I bring my i bring my cds too so I t- you know and i always get you know I yeah make, you
1: got your music too yeah. i make paranormal
3: i write paranormal books i make a paranormal podcast i do paranormal art and i make paranormal music and it all goes together and you know that's cool that's that's i try to there's a word for that That's marketing stuff i'm really bad at that Synchronized. <laughs> that's it synchronistic that. marketing or whatever it is yes uh,
0: and,
4: they, and there were bands playing, but yes. you couldn't hear them. Last time they, they were right on the street, and this time they were so far out, you literally couldn't hear that there were bands
3: playing. Which is good. I mean, it's not great for the bands because we needed better signage so people knew where yeah. the, the yeah. bands were. But in previous years, it was just impossible to talk to people, and people want to talk. They want to tell you stories. They want to, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, the bands were just, you know, I'm glad there's music there. I'm glad that the bands are there. But uh, it did work better having it separated a little bit. And there's a someone Absolutely. else is, is there's a new music director for next year who apparently has a lot of big ideas. And I also have some big ideas for next year. So uh, we'll see what, what next year brings. But I think we're going to try to do it bigger and better every year. I, it'll be hard to top this year, but uh, I've got some ideas. So we'll see.
2: How long has it gone on now, Tim? How many years has it I been? Think,
3: I think it started 2014, I believe.
2: Okay, it's been a little while. Yeah. There's yeah. been several of them now.
3: My band played every year, either me or my band, either me solo or my band played every year, except I think uh, last year is when I just kind of stepped back and said, well, let me just do the other stuff since I'm going to be talking and, you know, I can't do everything. But uh, next year I might, I might play some music again, but not not on the main stage. I haven't, I have another idea. Has
1: that consistency really been what's kept it growing or just has it, have you seen a market difference?
3: I don't know what the bump was this year. I mean, last year we had bad weather, so it it could have oh. just been it could, you know, if it's bad weather people just aren't going to show up for an outdoor event. It's just not going to happen. Right. But, you know, this year we had we had great weather and I don't know if things just came together right or if I, you know, I was definitely doing more promotion. I hit Southwest Chronicles and some other places and and they let me come <sighs> on and talk about it and where did the road go and strange familiars and and all these places. So, hopefully um Hopefully that that helped. I think it, I think did. it did. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it did cuz I know people I know there was definitely some people who said, "Oh, I heard you on Sasquatch Chronicles and and so forth." So, I think it definitely helped. But I think it's just plugging away at it. Yeah. I think that that we've just been consistent. It's been the second weekend of October. Well, we started in August. I think the first two years were in August, then we moved it to October, which I'm very happy about. It was too hot in August. And um Oh yeah. Well,
2: October I think is a perfect time. Yeah, yeah. To celebrate any of this kind of stuff, really.
3: And the fact that Columbia Historic Preservation Society, who is the the organization that's, that's really behind Albatwitch Day, they're so nice. And uh, the Chris, the director there, he's a fantastic historian. I mean, he's the one who who got me interested in in Columbia historically and just with his stories, because he's just got so many great stories. I mean, it's just one great story after another. And he's so interested and passionate about the history of the town. And he's super passionate about stuff like ghosts and cryptids, too. So it's, you know, there's no fear or anything when it comes to supporting a fest with, like, spooky stuff. I mean, in fact, he's like, we need more terror readers. We need more people who sell, you know, scary stuff as vendors, etcetera. Et cetera. That Like, that's what he wants. You know, so which is amazing wow. to have to have, you know, a historical society not have any trepidation about that kind of stuff. They're just like, yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're all about that.
2: Yeah. Well, especially to embrace like just yeah. this, you know, creature, this cryptozoological creature to just embrace that as like a symbol of the town. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's excellent. The, the folk history. I mean, yeah, the know. folklore. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and of course they looked at what you know Point Pleasant had done with Mothman Festival, and they said great yeah. idea. You know right. how can right. we do, how can we do that here? And uh, you know I think it's it like I said I think it's getting better every year. I think they're gonna they're gonna grow it every year, and I'm really really happy, really really proud to be a part of it. It's just a cool event.
2: That's excellent, man.
3: And two listeners, Saraya, uh, Laura, and Jessica, they they actually had something happen on the Ghost Tour. Really? Yeah, they said as they crossed under the Route Thirty Bridge, which would have been basically as we crossed into the area of Chickies, that sort of park. They together, I believe it was three three people, all had this like strange, like heavy feeling. They said, "I'll have to get them, you know, permission to to either read it or have them on real quick to so they can tell about it." But they actually said like it was weird. They said it's. She said she'd been on several ghost tours and never experienced anything before and and just had this really kind of intense feeling. She she said, you know, she kind of started to say something and uh, the others agreed before she even finished. Like, yeah, we feel it too. Yeah,
4: Yeah, and they they hung out with us between uh, the end of the day and the ghost tour as well.
3: Yeah, because there was, you know, the festival technically ended at five and then my tour wasn't till seven. So, I mean, that was one of the greatest parts of the day, just sitting there talking with listeners and just hanging out Mm -hmm. with people and And, you know, it was just it was awesome. Just an awesome day.
1: Well, it's cool how both you guys are really tied into your communities. Um, That's something we're really struggling with, to be honest. But it's pretty urban. So we've got a lot of pretty standoffish people and little fiefdoms, etc. But we're real inspired by it.
3: Well, I think you're doing something which is going to help with that. What's there's something happening in in Nashville this weekend? What, what's going on?
2: Yeah, yeah, there there is something happening in Nashville this weekend. It's called the Strange Realities Conference.
3: Am I supposed to be there?
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, you are. That you are supposed to be there, and you are required to wear pants. I know that you've been asking that question quite a lot on Facebook. Uh, Do I have to wear pants. It's 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 either that or just. Uh, it's either that or a speedo. It's whatever, you, you, just as long as it covers something.
3: One or the other? Flat, uh,
2: flannel pajamas. Flannel pajamas. Yeah, nothing yeah, nothing so. in between.
3: <laughs> e- either either a speedo or a pants. flannel speedo.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll go with pants.
2: Has to be wool. I'll I'll,
3: yeah, so, I'll I'll save everyone's vision and go with pants.
2: Yeah, so you are going to be here. We're coaxing you onto a plane.
3: I know for the first, first time, time when... since before 9/11. I haven't been on a plane since before 9/11.
2: That's amazing. Well, it took me quite a few years before I
3: got on a so plane. So you've never had
1: like a body scanner?
3: Yeah. No. no. It's fun.
1: Huh. Like you step in this it's tube fun. in this <laughs> <laughs> step in this tube and these like this this weird like uh uh rotating bar goes around it. Uh, yeah. You know,
2: yeah.
3: Like well, I've had several always... MRIs, so, you know, it's probably it's, the it's, same thing. It's pretty yeah, similar.
2: similar. Yeah. So we've got you here. And we've got Joshua Kutchen. Who? That that guy. You guys yeah. might
1: know, might have heard
4: of him.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's coming to talk about some alien-human h- hybrid lore, as I understand.
4: Did and... you call him
2: Jawa Kutchen? Yeah, Josh. Joshua Kutchen.
4: Okay, but you, you did not... call him Jawa.
2: Yeah, no, I didn't call him Jawa. No. Oh, he's he's he not one of the like little him guys, guys him. from Star Wars.
4: Yeah, but he okay. does like Star Wars. If you called him Jawa Kutchen, he might like that.
2: He probably would, yeah. And Tim Banal is going to be here as well, talking about the bizarre world of the flat earth theory.
3: I've seen that talk before. It's a good talk. It's really good, actually.
2: Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And Guy Malone is coming all the way from Roswell, New Mexico.
1: On a flying saucer. Yeah,
2: he's coming (laughs) on a flying saucer. We're going to... He's gonna, he's gonna, gonna crash. Fly, he's gonna land there at the uh, at, at the venue. He's gonna and, crash
1: into the Scientology Center next door. Yeah, right next door. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: so he's so he's gonna be there talking about uh, what he believes happened at Roswell nineteen forty seven. And we've got our friend Joe Damari is gonna be there demonstrating his ghost hunting technology. And doing live ghost demonstrations. Live ghost demonstrations, yeah. And we've also got Mark Anthony Wyatt, who I know, I think you've had him on, Soraya, I think, right? Oh,
4: yeah. I think it was the first one to have Mark Anthony Wyatt on.
2: Yeah. Cool, dude. He's coming on. He's yeah, com-
4: definitely.
2: He's back in the United States, so he's going to be the, he's gonna be here in Nashville. He's only about, uh, when he's here in the United States, he's only about six hours away from us. So, um, And then Zach Hunt, who is a uh, who is an author and researcher he's got a book called unraptured where he talks about how he kind of left the uh, Christian rapture theology behind it's kind of a uh, he's kind of an odd man out but uh, he's a local author and he's been on Conspiranormal. normal so I, no, I to... heard him he was a
3: super interesting show when he was on yeah he's uh, yeah he's really yeah. cool
2: he's an excellent he's an excellent guy excellent guest. And uh, just really wanted to have him there. So it's going to be a little different, but uh, I think people will probably get something out of it. It's going to be an interesting mix of people there, I think. And we've got live music at the end of the night. So we've got my cousin actually is coming up here from Atlanta. He's going to play, he plays all his father's songs that his his dad wrote. And so he's going to play some of those, do like an acoustic set. And then we've got uh, Goat Herder. Our yeah. friend Jedediah, who I've who's been on Strange Familiars and on Conspiracy Normal, and is a big fan of both. I think I don't know. I think he listens to Where the Road Go. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he does. And so he's going to uh, play with his band. I guess is what did we describe it as? Angry Farmer Metal. <laughs> so what we And
4: <laughs> it had sort of a black metal feel too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: kind of folksy. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good. And we've got a DJ for the night.
1: Yeah, then uh, one of my best friends, DJ Mike Vulcan, is going to be playing a uh, all vinyl set of a lot of futuristic and UFO, alien, paranormal themed retro nice.
2: stuff. Nice, nice, and it's a uh, and a uh, space disco. And it's and it's BYOB, so if anybody wants to bring some beer for the towards the end of the night, uh, they are welcome to do so.
3: Also, bring some cider for Tim. So it's BS. CFT also.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of the craft brewers around town are doing uh, a lot of new ciders too, so there'll be plenty of ciders to try, totally.
3: Oh yeah.
2: Tim, have you ever been here before?
3: No, no. It's be the first time. I I heard it's not a walking city. I heard it's a driving city. Uh,
2: well, downtown is walking. Yeah. You can do a lot. You can do a lot downtown just walking around. Um, that's normally more like the touristy area, mm-hmm. but yeah, if we go to like East Nashville, we'll probably have yeah, to You
1: can't hop around besides the sides of town, but right. overall the town is not that large. So it, 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 it's really quick to get around.
2: Yeah. We've got some, we've got some things we want to show you guys too. While you're here that cause kind of like cool. historically and kind of, um, how would you describe it? Synchro mystic?
1: Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of the, there's a lot of interesting things in the city in that it was the Athens of the south. So there's a lot of occult symbolism and
2: cool mm. stuff like that. Yeah, we got the Parthen, the replica of the Parthenon here.
1: Yeah, you might want to see that. It's pretty cool. There's a giant Athena in there, marble with gold. Uh, it's pretty wild.
3: So is Athens okay? is not the Athens of the south?
1: Um, no. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, technically, I guess, but... Uh,
3: I'm excited. I've been on both coasts but not much in the middle of the country. I've been to Chicago and uh Ohio and stuff like that, but uh, not too much in the middle or the 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 south. Well, no, that's not true either. I've been to Alabama. I played music in Alabama, but uh didn't do much stops in between.
2: Well, I mean as a folk musician too, I mean you're yeah, probably going to be in yeah. Country Hall of Fame. I mean,
3: there's a
1: lot of that, yeah.
2: A lot of good good culture, so
1: awesome. you should have definitely have fun, and we're gonna get that banjo for you.
2: <laughs> we'll
3: see, we'll see, we shall there, see. There's
2: a couple hanging up there in the venue. Yeah, they've got see a, a last he's
3: got night.
1: electric sitar. It's
3: pretty rad. Like a like a legit or one of those guitars that just has a sitar bridge, like that. Yeah, it's like
1: it's like a sitar i don't know how it's electric i don't know how it exactly yeah. works but it's pretty cool
2: so where we're doing this at it's called sir nashville which stands for studio instrument rentals and it's really like a studio space and it's a it's a place where bands can go and practice
1: your rehearsal so, studio
2: yeah so we've got the biggest room there for the day that's gonna fit about 100 people
1: proper little stage and everything
2: yeah yeah we've got a stage i mean we're gonna Every we, we'll have everything that we need for this conference.
1: Full full yes. monitors on stage, so you can need some more yes. uh, stage left.
3: Awesome. Yeah, and you did get my rider, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: Rob's a sound man, so you can yell at him and abuse him all you <laughs> want. Yeah, yeah.
3: I never got that. I was always super nice to sound man. I never got that whole thing with bands, like why, like oh uh, the sound men. and like um they're responsible for your sound. Why not be nice? They can mess it up for you, too. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Rob's going to be an awesome sound man.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what he does. He's he's very accomplished at it.
3: So I can have, like, delay and reverb on my voice when I do my presentation?
2: He can make it happen.
3: Big foot, 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 foot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to be presenting on? Tim,
3: Why I have two presentations And one is the 1920s gorilla flap in Pennsylvania Which I think is just a fun little talk And I show all about where these so-called gorillas were popping up And I have maps and stuff I show and show where they were And all the newspaper headlines And there's just a ton of stuff There's just just so many sightings of these so-called gorillas And of course I don't believe they were gorillas at all I think they were Bigfoot, whatever Bigfoot is and uh, so that's my one talk, and the other talk is a preview of where the footprints end that I'm doing with Joshua Cutchin.
2: Yeah, well that's I'm really excited about that. That you guys are going to be able to present that uh, in the maybe, wild.
3: Maybe I'll have to talk to Josh about this and see if it's possible. Maybe we can give a preview of the cover because I I finished uh, oh, the black nice and white son. version of the cover and gotta say. We're gonna try not to break my arm, pat my own back here, but uh, it's a pretty good cover.
4: You know, he showed it to me, and I mean, it's uh,
2: <laughs> it's it's pretty freaking awesome.
3: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say eh, it's all right.
2: <laughs> in that in that wild man flap that you're gonna talk about, were mm-hmm. any of those described as wearing like clothing?
3: No, not these. Mm-mm. These.
2: So that's th- earlier.
3: Y- yeah, yeah, those tended to come a little bit earlier than these. Yeah, these were all, uh, they were saying they were escaped circus gorillas, is mostly how they were trying to explain these.
1: Hmm.
3: Very interesting.
1: So just in the nude. Yeah. But yeah, we're really looking forward to having you, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we really want to try to start creating that kind of sense of community like you guys really have, I feel like. Uh,
3: I think this is a good way to do it. I think you'll find that people come out and, it's, I mean, it's going to grow every year, but hopefully, man, hopefully it, it doesn't need to. Hopefully you pack the place.
2: Yeah, that's our hope.
3: Mm-hmm. That's our hope. So uh, where can people get tickets?
2: They can go to strangerealitiesconference.com And when they go to the front page there, there's a link that says Book Now that's going to take you to the Eventbrite page. And it's $30 right now all the way to the to the doors open at 945 on Saturday morning, the 19th so you can get it for $30 but once we're there at the venue you you buy it it's going to be 40.
3: And that's $40 to hang out all day and listen to the music at night.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have we have eight presentations and we have music at night and this is going to go on from over 12 hours. And essentially a, there's no, there's going to be breaks in between. But.
3: Question and answer session, live recording of Conspiracy Normal. Yes, sir. After we talk. Yeah, it should be a really cool time. And you can just, if you want to meet any of us, you can hang out and talk all day. We'll be there hanging around all day. Yeah.
2: And it's a good private venue, too. It's not like um, you're not going to be going down some labyrinth and hallway. There's places where people can hang out. Awesome. Underneath pictures of uh, the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, and all kinds of interesting stuff.
3: Awesome. Yeah. That's Saturday, October 19th. Strange yep. Realities, Nashville, Tennessee
1: especially anyone uh anyone who's a fan of your shows who uh, is going to you know who's in the area you know this is definitely worth it you know a small trip if you're in the mid south area you can have fun you can i think we do we still have the is there still hotels uh reservations open for people to get that discounted rate is that still um, going it's
2: yeah, it's closed now okay it's closed but, but but there there are some people that took advantage of that yeah
3: I know there are definitely some Strange Familiars listeners that are talking about going. I know there was some people in the Strange Familiars Discord that were saying they were trying to go. I'm not sure how certain they were going, so people are definitely talking about it. They're, they're, they definitely uh, want to show up.
2: Nice. Very nice. Yeah, we actually, when we were, we went to the Alien Expo and actually ran into a Strange Familiars and Where Did The Road Go fan there, so, you know, and that that person is coming.
3: Nice. Awesome. Full circle. Well, since I got you guys here, maybe I'll read something. (laughs) And just leave us alone? No. Yeah, I'm just going to go read. (laughs) So you guys, you guys finished my show for me. I'm going to go read. Do a good job and don't cuss. All right. (laughs) No, I have a couple of flannel man stories. Want to jam on those?
2: Perfect. All All right. Yeah, perfect. Let's Let's jam. Let's, let's, let's fly the flannel, man. Do
3: it. <laughs> my name is Rose, and my dad passed away nine years ago. He knew I was into the paranormal. About a year ago, I was asleep, and I heard my name. So I opened my eyes, and at the foot of my bed was a man with a red flannel, black jeans, and a wide belt that was maybe brown. His hair was black and thick, one length and a little past his ears. When I saw him, maybe three seconds, he was opaque but wavy. I screamed really loud and I shut my eyes and started praying. I like reading and watching about the paranormal, but I'm a chicken when it comes to seeing or hearing anything that may be paranormal. The thing I questioned about it being my dad was not the age he looked in the vision. It was the flannel. The guy in the flannel was about 30 years old. I know in the afterlife, you can choose what age you want to be. My dad probably would have chosen 30 years in his afterlife. My dad at 30 like to dress sharp he wore suits and dress shirts and dress pants he even had the thick black hair but he would slick it back my flannel man had it loose i just caught strange familiars a couple of weeks ago on youtube my dad was 78 when he passed i'm about 50 now i don't even know why i'm responding since my experience was so short and may or may not be real so soraya you're the dream man what do you think about all this stuff <laughs> i mean it very well could be
4: a visitation of some sorts um it seems like a pretty straightforward encounter, really. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean just it's, because it's short doesn't mean it's not, you know, there's not something to it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So with all this stuff, how much weight do you give to the impression? So if it, if it was her impression that it was her dad, how much weight does that does that hold, you think?
4: In a dream, a lot. Mhm. Yeah. You know, I mean because your logical mind's not in play there generally it's it's your subconscious so if she feels like it was her dad that you know i would say that it holds a lot more weight than you know a dish moving in the kitchen and going oh it's dad and that's that's fine too because it very well may be but you're you're looking for that connection when you're conscious
3: right right
2: most often too you hear about people encountering loved ones in dreams yes that's, that's a very common thing that's happened to me Has- deceased loved ones
3: yeah I th- Did you tell that? Uh, you might have told that on Strange Familiars.
2: I, you know, it's very, it's interesting because, like, I don't really remember the content of it. I mean, there were things that I remember mostly with my grandmother, oh, my my dad's mother. I was very close to her and I've had dreams about her and where she's talking to me and I don't remember It's weird because you don't really remember the content, just like kind of the feeling of the dream. Mm -hmm. But I've had that happen to me.
3: Yeah, and then people will tell you they have these sort of rules for this stuff. Like I heard someone say, you know, if you dream of a loved one, that means they passed over. Well, how do they know? Like, how do you you know? Yeah, yeah. And well, that actually kind of drives me a
4: little crazy that people just make up these rules and act like they they apply somehow. Yeah, it's, yeah, kind, exactly. of, it's kind
2: of like the Bigfoot stuff too, where like the Bigfoot, the so-called Bigfoot habituators, you know. And it's like <laughs> I was like, well, I know what they do. You know, this is you know, well, how do you know?
3: Well, it comes from the flesh and blood people too. They'll, they'll <laughs> yeah, tell you straight up. Right. They turn around and tiptoe back through their own tracks. Give me a break. You don't know that. You, yeah. You know, you
2: yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean it's it. it sounds like you're actually out there like doing some anthropological study of Bigfoot when you're when you're doing that, but who knows? I mean, but I that is a common motif that yeah. you hear a lot is people talking about the deceased seeing a deceased loved one in dreams. I oh, mean it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it my, happens over
3: and over and over. My father died last year and I've I've had several dreams with him in it.
4: I had a uh... Pretty much in the year since my mom died, she's shown up in dreams almost every night really mm-hmm. and I don't like I don't feel like it's necessarily her um there was yeah. one there were actually two that had to do with a washer and uh, I didn't even realize it i I was telling Gwen about it and she's like that's that's your your second dream you've had with your mom in a washing machine <laughs> and I'm like huh. It is. But I, in, in the second one, I was like dealing with her and it was everything was a mess. And and I stopped and said, oh, it's nice to see mom again. And I thought it's not her that I'm, this is just a dream. Like I realized it didn't feel like her. Right. It felt right. like she's dreaming about her. And I'm sitting and I've been sitting there for a while now thinking, why do I keep dreaming about her every night? I mean, it's not like I've dealt with it. I'm not you know, it's not like something I need to deal with. And I'm thinking, you know, she's been in my life for so long on an almost daily basis for the most part, that I think my brain is just going, mm, she wasn't there during the day. Let's put her in here at night, you know?
3: Mm, like, like, uh, the phantom pain, in a sense. Yeah. Sort of. Psycho- yeah. But it's, it's psychological just. Psychological thing.
4: Yeah. It's just my brain filling out, like, oh, she's missing. So we'll put her back. Right. Right. That's interesting. And, so, and, and a lot of times it's real simple little things that aren't, um, you know, in any way, like significant, they're not deep anything. It's just I'll be walking through the room and she'll be standing in the kitchen, and then you know I keep going, but she's there almost every. And it's starting to stop.
2: There's a mundane aspect to the dreams of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: generally, even if the dream, nothing itself, really
2: profound necessarily.
4: Yeah, even if the dream itself is bizarre, the parts with her generally aren't. Speaking of Gwen, she came to which Day as well. She did, and you, you two had a, had a very hardcore brawl. Yes, we as were. As promised. Cage match, it
3: was brutal. <laughs> no, she's, she's fantastic. The, uh, it, was, it was a great time. Mm. It was awesome to, to meet her as well. Uh, but anyway, back to the this story. This, so if it's hypnagogic, does it count as a dream still? You know, So if, if it's hypnagogic and her impression is still that it was her dad, does doesn't sure. carry just as much weight.
4: I think so because yeah, hypnagogic of space in experience, the hypnagogic experience is still a, it's still dreamlike. You know, it's still your unconscious mind projecting. Mm-hmm. It's just That's... whether you completely uh, are divorced
1: from quote reality. Uh, there's plenty of
2: space in between, of course, as we know. Yeah. Well, it's it's also an altered state of consciousness, and we know that these things come through. Through those,
4: and and it's and it's a liminal state. Yep.
3: So, what about the flannel? I think you know. I really. When when did this happen? Uh, This is um, a year ago. She said.
4: Okay. I I I still think it's really interesting that the bulk of your flannel man stuff happens right around the time the Seattle scene bursts out into the culture with the whole
3: flannel look. It, I mean, it existed before, and it and it sure. has ex- continued to exist after. But the encounters I've collected, the bulk are in the early to mid '90s.
4: And and I feel like that there's something to that. There's some kind of zeitgeist or something affecting these encounters.
3: A- Allison does as well, because I, I kind of like ran it by her, because you know she's she's much more young in, in all this stuff. She's much more you know you know archetypal based and. And that, and I, I kind of like, well, what do you think of that? Because I was telling how interested you were in the idea that this, that, you know, kind of pops up around the grunge thing. And uh, she's like, yeah, I think I think there's something to that.
2: Well, hasn't popular culture in some ways almost taken the place of folklore? Sometimes.
4: sometimes.
3: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think sometimes, yeah. I mean, there's, there's been that article that's been going around that's just like, the internet is killing folklore. I'm like, how even? Like, I don't even <laughs> see that for a second. The internet is probably saving folklore.
2: Yeah. yeah. And creating new yeah, oh, sure. oh, yeah. and memes. Oh, yep.
3: absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, I, I don't see the internet hurting folklore at all.
2: Well, I, I always bring up the black-eyed kids and those stories when you have all the black eyes in a lot of television shows, the jet black eyes starting with the x-files and moving on even to supernatural and those to type television shows and then people will say that they see these kids with the, with the solid black eyes i mean it just it's just a reflection of popular culture
3: yeah I, well, I mean i think there's something to the idea that that we may be speaking of it in video game terms we may be skinning these things ourselves right and it's like Soraya said. There was someone talking to us on Saturday about some weird, weird thing they saw that was very cartoon-like. Do you remember that, Sarai?
4: Yes.
3: And and the, basically, you said, "Well, like maybe whatever it was, you saw something, and whatever it was, you, you know, they saw it as a child, and yeah, basically yeah. they had, they said it was very cartoon-looking. It looked like an animated kind of thing, and uh, the idea was maybe that's just how." You, you saw it because that's, that's all you could handle or that's the way you could you know, wrap your head around it.
4: Right. I, I think our brain at a lot of times doesn't know what to make of this stuff and it, it kind of puts something there. You yeah. know, It's, it's, it's going, oh, that's, that's something I have no concept of, no, no relevance to, I can't make out what it is, it's a monster. Or in yeah. this case, as a little kid, it's a cartoon character. And mm-hmm. they even said it looked two-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, set, look like it, the, an it's,
1: heuristics. it's heuristics. It's and, heuristics and it's pattern forming, especially in, like, dream logic. So think about that. With flannel, that's, like, the most basic pattern. So your mind is trying to come up with things. I mean, that's, a, you know, the most basic pattern you
2: can come up with. Right, horizontal and vertical. Cross.
4: Yeah. and And figure two, flannel also – has kind of a relaxed feel to it. A lot of people wear flannel to be relaxed and comfortable, so maybe these experiences, in the way, are trying to to sim- symbolize that in some cases. So well, if, she's then, see- if she's seeing her dad in flannel, you know, maybe it's a comfort thing.
2: I was just going to say, just kind of that archetype of the working person. hmm You know. The man of action. M- American working man.
3: Yeah, well I mean that's that's one of the sort of archetypical ideas I was playing with, you know, when, when as I'm trying to figure out these folks in flannel sightings, was it you know, did it have something to do with that sort of uh American manifest destiny thing, you know, like, like the the workmen the, the you know, getting out there and and uh working across America and, and negatively or positively sort of uh submit you know, making the land submit to, to the will of the worker and and so forth, but uh, I don't know, I keep going back to that Lumberjacks are, are a, a half of a wild man idea. It just, it appeals to me that when they're specifically Lumberjacks, now some people just see, you know, other people in in flannel, but there does seem to be a, a serious Lumberjack connection.
2: Yeah, someone that's built, that is spending a lot of time in the wilderness. Yeah,
3: he's not a full wild man, because your full wild right. man is, is your, your Bigfoot or whatever. This guy is like the, the in-between, he's the He's the in-between uh, symbol for the 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 wild man. Let me see. I have another one here, and this one uh, this guy wanted to remain anonymous, and he did not want me to name the town. So he did tell me both his name and the name of the town in the email, but I will leave them out as I read it. And so the year was 1997. So there you go, 1997, sarai. Mm-hmm. The year was 1997. There's an old lumber town in the middle of West Virginia. At one point this was a lumber community built and maintained by whatever company was operating there or so I was told currently it's mostly used as the collective of hunting and fishing cabins as was then also the case my aunt's husband had one of those cabins in his family and we had spent a fairly significant amount of time there it's a small community with a railroad that runs through its center a mountain creek runs through also it contains some of the more pristine waters I've seen The environment there is akin to mountain stream towns secretly scattered through the state, unique for sure. On this particular summer trip, my aunt's family wasn't going with us, therefore we had to rent one of the other buildings in the community. The one we chose was one of two identical white houses that used to exist there. They have since been torn down and I can only assume they were originally used as the site housing for management. As such, they were old and a bit larger than the rest of the buildings. This particular house appeared to have foundational problems, as most of the door frames in the upstairs hallway sat at about a ten degree angle. It was not a well-kept place, hence the weekend price reflected that. It was one of the creepier places I've stayed, and the late summer scattered thunderstorms added to that ambience. My experience happened that first night. My mother, father, and younger brother all slept in one bedroom. I was sixteen at the time, and took the bedroom across the hall. My middle brother, who was freaked out by the place, chose to sleep outside in the van. That night I had a very elaborate dream. I was sitting on the porch of one of the houses in the community, talking to a family. This porch faced the railroad track, and the people with me were dressed in clothing that would have appeared from an earlier period. I don't remember what the context of the conversation was, but a train arrived at the station there. Off of the train walked a group of five or six African Americans, all dressed similarly to that same time period. They had equipment, I would surmise, that would be used in the lumber industry. They were accompanied by some more official-looking men, as if having been brought to do manual labor. When they reached the middle of the town, they were met by a gang of people wearing white cloaks, hoods, and carrying torches. The African Americans were then led by them down to the river, where they were drowned. For this period of the dream, I was a passive observer, not able to communicate or act in any fashion. In the middle of the drowning act, I found myself in the middle of the woods. There were blood marks smeared on the surrounding trees. In front of me was a man crouched over something, working on it intensely. I couldn't see what he was working on, since his back was to me, but I could see a pool of blood creeping out around him. He was a balding, middle-aged man, I could tell. He wore a pair of worn jeans and a red flannel coat or shirt, the thicker type that would sometimes be seen in that era. The whole time I was slowly walking towards him. When I got to the place that I could almost see what was in front of him, I woke up with a start. I don't know what time it was. Being it was 1997 and we were in an old house in the mountains, it was dark. When I say dark, I mean the kind of moonless dark people from the cities don't really realize exists until they experience it. (laughs) At this point, I was wide awake and sweating. As I was getting my bearings, from the corner of the room, I heard a whisper. Did you see it? The voice repeated this question over and over, getting softer with each sentence until it was no longer audible. In a state of confusion and fear, I laid there not moving for the next few hours until dawn. I consider myself a rational person. I am an engineer by trade and have always thought in a methodical way. By morning, it was nothing but a dream in my mind. I made no mention of any of it until the ride home a couple days later. I brought it up because my mother had a story of her own from the same night. There were four bedrooms in that house. We occupied the two at the end of the hallway, while the two closest to the staircase remained empty. Keep in mind the disrepair of the place and the angle at which everything set. It was somewhat disorienting, especially in the dark. At some point in the night, she had woken up. She went downstairs to get a glass of water. When walking down the hallway, she heard whispering voices similar to what I had heard. They started louder from both sides in each empty room, multiple people whispering at once, with each sentence getting quiet after each recital. The message she heard was, We have something to say to them. When leaving the hollow of the town in, my mother was having some level of a panic attack. Once she began talking about it, her telling her experience led to mine. I don't know what to make of the whole experience, except there was a flannel-shirted guy in the woods doing nefarious things in a dream. That seems to be a common theme on your show, so I decided to share. I haven't been back to that town since. There you go.
5: That
1: sounds like something that probably really happened there.
3: I mean, that's the question, right? Is... I mean, that's
1: how would they just come up with all that unless they'd just been watching some movie or something? That's just yeah,
3: it's a lot of specific detail in a dream, and dreaming in place is always really interesting too. Um, yeah, that's what happened to me in Pandemonium. When I was dreaming there, I was dreaming in place. I was in my tent in that place dreaming, and that's when I was woken up by those those wood knocks. It was very disorienting, very very strange.
2: Didn't you guys have dreams after? too. I've or had dreams when you came home. I, since yeah, you... I,
3: I, I had uh, dreams not related to pandemonium. Well, I, I believe they were related to pandemonium. I had a really freaky dream as I was uh, mixing all the audio and, and doing all the editing when I went to sleep, you know, and I'm up till, I don't know, three or four in the morning doing all that. And I, I finally get to sleep and I wake up at some point and I mean, I woke up in my dream, but again, I was dreaming in place. I don't think it's so unusual when you're at home to dream in place because you're at home, you know, but when you when you go somewhere else, like like I said, when I was camping I, and I was dreaming in place there, it's not some place that subconsciously you're super familiar with. I didn't find it necessarily strange that I was dreaming in place at home because you know subconsciously I'm you know rather familiar with it. I see it every day, but uh, I happened to be and I woke up from my bed in this dream and and walked to go to the bathroom and there was just this scary, really scary looking hag like woman just screaming and screaming at me. Just, uh, oh my god! <laughs> just, just standing in the hallway, just I mean, just just screaming. It was uh, yeah, terrifying. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out like, what is this? Like, because she wasn't screaming words; she was literally just screaming, just screaming, shrieking at me.
2: Jeez! But you know, there was that story that we read on "Where Did the Road Goes, Raya about the guys that saw the weird, uh, short, little okay. things in the in their yard. And then they, well, that, they incident, that incident that incident ended, and then they had they started they had these dreams of uh, these they had these shared dreams. So like that reminds me of that story.
4: Yeah, but they didn't actually see anything. That was the thing,
2: right? 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 What well, either did Tim afterwards, you know, true, true, just heard just heard something in pandemonium. Heard many so that, that's a that's a strange <laughs> thing that's come up a couple of times now on both of you guys shows where it's been these people will have this this incident happen and then they'll have these dreams where it's almost like this it's almost like this is what really happened almost. Right.
4: Right. Like your brain's catching up with the reality of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And then it freaked those guys out so much that well, two of the guys were okay, but the one the third guy didn't even want to talk about it.
4: I don't think any of them were okay. That's yeah. the thing. Like he said, they were. Well, still, they were at least willing really to bothered. speak about it.
3: Yeah. 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 I'm. I mean. I'm not. I'm. I have to go back. Like I have to go back to Pandemonium. There's no. I have no choice. I'm going back to Pandemonium. I'm not scared, but. I'm super interested whatever my curiosity is going to overpower any sort of trepidation I have for sure. So it's, you know, it's happening. I'm going back. I'm going to stay there again.
2: It sounds like it's pretty aptly named.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what, uh, I think Tobe was saying when I did the the podcast with him following up on it, he's just like, it was just like all of a sudden pandemonium breaks out. And I was like, yeah, I guess you kind of, kind (laughs) of did, but, uh, uh, but I do have—I—I I don't know if it's caution or—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm just very, very interested to see what happens when we go back. It's, uh, uh you know, it definitely rolled out the welcome mat for us.
4: Yeah, you're gonna have to take me out there so we can hike around a little.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely.
1: The medium of the show too, having an audio show where you're walking around and in the field recording—it's—it's it's really cool. It's really cool to listen to.
3: They're my favorite shows to do. It's really what I wanted to do every episode, but as you can imagine, it's impossible to do that every episode. Yeah. You just sure I mean especially trying to do a weekly show. I just you know, you can't there's only so many places to go and a lot of times that's what I tell people, like we struck gold with that, going out there and having something happen that night. Yeah, site 7 we had, you know, the the site 7 shows are compiled from usually from 5 or 10 visits, you know, to get a one show out of them. It's usually it's not like we go there and all of this stuff happens at once.
1: Right. I think for the types of experiences that you're having, I think it's I think it's better to just listen to it like that. I wouldn't really want to watch a video as much.
3: Oh, well, you never it's, I I I don't know what it is, but you're never going to catch stuff from video. Yeah, I, I yeah mean,
1: absolutely, you know, but yeah. but with just sound, you can you Will catch sound and and just uh, the feeling in your voices and everything. It's it's really entertaining.
3: Well, it's you know it's thousand percent genuine. You could, I mean, yeah. Even as I'm yeah. listening back, I'm going, yeah, I was scared. I could hear it in my voice. Yeah, it's. I mean,
1: of... that's what I mean. It's like it's super creepy.
4: Yeah. I don't
3: know. I still want to try and get it on video. I. That, well, that's the thing. I wonder. I wonder if you know, like if people are like, oh, you should have put up trail cams all around your camp. I wonder if anything at all would have happened then. Well, even if you pick up lights or something, that's interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know one thing. It's I'll I'll never not have a recorder running all the time from now on because I was trying to reserve disk space because our idea was we were going to go out the next day and record more stuff, you know, about the historical stuff. We were going to, we thought we were doing a ghost show, and we were hmm. going to go back up to the cemetery and and I was going to take the dowsing rods and and the ghost box and stuff. Uh, come to find pandemonium's pandemonium's too remote. You can't pick up any signals. For the, so the ghost box is just pure static. But uh, that was the plan. So I was t- like saving disk space on the recorders. I didn't want to just run them all night. But uh, lesson learned. I'm just going to have to get more recorders. And just keep them running.
4: You know. I mean if it's just static on the ghost box. Wouldn't that be even more interesting.
3: If you got something. Oh heck yeah. Heck yeah it would. Absolutely. Post Pandemonium. I did take my ghost box to an area around here which has a very, very interesting tree structure that I found. I don't think I talked about this on the show, and I turned the ghost box on and I asked a number of questions to just to the woods. you know, I'm just asking questions, whatever, you know, yeah, are there a bigfoot out here or whatever? just just anything that occurred to me. I didn't get hits on anything until I said. And now I'm sitting down in the middle of this tree structure, it's kind of a what they would call a TP structure. I think it's a, a misnomer, but you know, they're vaguely T P shaped. And I'm in the middle of the structure and I just I just say out loud, What is the purpose of these structures? And the only hit I got all day was after I said that, I got spiritual. Hmm. That's that's the only hit well. I got all day that made any sense anyway, you know, as far as you yeah. know, words coming through.
2: What was the because obviously it's a ghost town, so I guess, what was the reason for it being built?
3: Oh, th- that wasn't in uh, Pandemonium where I got the ghost box. That was a- another location, okay. uh, just to be clear. But Pandemonium So what was, was built, um, I don't know why they built it there. It was a land warrant that was given to a guy. Interestingly, it was given to a guy with the last name of Deal, which is Allison's maiden name. They're probably related, but they're not directly related. So he's not like, you know, he's probably in in her family tree, but not, it's not one of her direct ancestors. But very interestingly, they had a property in York that was also named Pandemonium in York County. And we're trying to locate where that was. And it looks like they moved to Perry County, which was, I think at the time it might have been under a different county when they moved there. But it's, it's Perry County now. And they were given this land warrant, and they called that Pandemonium as well. So, why, you know? And if the York Pandemonium ends up being, you know, Toad Road or Site Seven or any of these, you know, Hex Hollow, any of these places that that I spend a lot of time in, that's going to be especially interesting. Hmm. We have the land warrant uh, forms where they filled out, and we know that there were two land there were two properties called Pandemonium, both owned by Deals. The land warrants uh, show the York County Pandemonium is earlier than the Perry County Pandemonium, and it looks like the, the one deal moved up to that area and just named the area Pandemonium. So, But what they did there was they had a steam tannery, it, so they would uh, take the tannins from the bark and, I guess, uh, tan leather there. That was the main business in town. And then just a lot of, uh, there couldn't have been much farming. It's real rocky, rocky, rocky stuff there. Uh so I guess that there was a lot of uh hunting and, and hard scrabble living, but there were i think uh, up to a hundred residences they I, I I think Chad told me there, which is seems to be a lot uh looking around the area that that seems to be like way more than there could have been but it's possible
0: you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need Viator
3: The uh, the steam tannery went out of business, and that there's basically nothing to do there. And then people just trickled out, and gone. Uh, 1915, I think, was the last resident.
1: And I guess guess you've probably explored all the implications with the origin of the word pandemonium.
3: Yeah, the devil name places thing. That I mean, that's that's why we went. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Someone wrote and said, you know, hey, you know, don't you know the devil names like. Yeah, and in fact, I think I I mentioned that I, not explicitly on the show, uh, but yeah, we we knew that pandemonium is you know a place in hell and and the devil named places and yeah, you know, that's specifically why we went.
4: Oh, so pandemonium, pandemonium is a place in hell.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. So it's I guess
4: the,
1: I
3: didn't know that.
4: It's
1: from Paradise Lost, I think.
3: Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, it's it's and something it's, like the the home to all demons or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's English pan Greek daemon. Um, mm. It says a uh, mid seventeenth century modern Latin denoting the place of all demons in Milton's Paradise Lost from Pan All and
2: Greek daemon. So does, does it, it have? Does it have anything to do with the god Pan?
3: Well, I mean, root word wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the great god Pan, Pan and Panic and you know all that, uh, all that jazz.
2: The capital of hell.
3: So, surf when. We were on before doing the swap cast, and I asked Adam about his weird stuff. How'd you get into this stuff?
1: Oh man, um, well, I'm originally from uh, outside of Phoenix, Mesa, Arizona. Uh, my parents are both artists. My mom was always pretty mystical, so I was kind of like a weird desert kid. My grandfather was an astronomer, so from a real young age, I was turned on to the physical sciences and astronomy just a basic understanding of really old big universe and stuff like that i used to go fossil hunting with them Uh, but i was always into mysteries I had the time life books i was into you know indiana jones and everything else um in the uh in that whole kind of early 90s stuff uh I grew up with a lot of Native Americans, was really led into see a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't get to, like the Hopi lands and stuff like that. Then, uh, that mixed with also, I have a lot of family history and in um, different offshoots of Mormonism. And that from a young age, I think, really turned me on to thinking about how people can engineer religions because I was, mm-hmm. you know, didn't take long for me to get skeptical. And uh, so just, all in that gumbo pot, man, I, I was just, uh, especially just the media influence, too, of the early and late 90s, you know, it's just, uh, I got into all this stuff and, did, you know, got into punk rock and alternative information, things like that, all these the subcultural stuff. And then um, I really kind of took a detour in college and tried to get a little more into serious stuff. I, I studied international relations, got my degree in that. Um, but kind of uh, just got back into the more speculative uh, fields because I got kind of burned out on all the, uh, well, it's political, political science and, you know, just all that mess and uh, wanted to explore all the weird stuff I was into when I was younger again. And so I really went back down this path and got a lot more mystical and uh, speculative and Got all the books I always wanted uh, and uh, started checking out all the podcasts. Came across Conspiranormal, met Adam, and the rest is history.
3: How'd you get on, though? Like, was, like, how did you end up getting on this? You just met Adam and, like, eventually was like, hey, I want to be on the show?
2: No, no. <laughs>
3: so you can tell, Matt.
2: Uh, no, I mean, it's like, um, Serfiel was a fan of the show. I knew of him i knew he was kind of into some of this stuff and uh he i don't even remember now i don't even remember it was like was it uh i guess that rob's band was playing somewhere yeah i uh, yeah, just said yeah. like you know like uh, uh told rob about about serfiel said he's a fan of the show he wants to you know hang out so he came to the to the bar where rob's band was playing and hung out with us a few times. Came to the two hundredth episode, and then I was just kind of like, "Rob, let's." Because uh, it was L- Luke had already. I don't, you know, I don't know what happened to Luke. He he missing four one one. And uh, was so, Luke the one that was always falling asleep? Luke was the one that was always falling asleep. Yeah, yeah so, so he's
4: just asleep somewhere. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so so yeah, he's, he's in the he's in the woods. He's, he's Van be, Winkling. Waiting. Yeah, he's waiting for his uh, Prince Charming. But, um, he, so he was gone and I told Rob, I said, well, let's, you know, let's see if we get Sarefield as, as a co-host, but we'll see how he does. And, um, we had him ask some questions at the 200th episode with Josh and Randall then, Carlson. Yeah. And then he, we did like, I think that we did like a book review or something like that about, they had you on as a special guest and then we just invited him to become part of the show. Yeah. And then uh, and then Rob had some personal reasons to leave and now Sarafiel like went from a fan to co host and now he records it and produces it for me now too. So Nice. That's
3: awesome.
1: So, that's it. But yeah, it's been it's been great, man. I mean, this has been like a it's really felt like a rebirth. This has done a lot for me, um, as far as I really wasn't happy with the place I was in life at the time, and uh, I was really burned out doing a construction job, and and, uh, this really helped me uh, get back on my feet mentally and and get interested and inspired again. So it's been a real big influence on my life. It's been all totally positive, and I'm really thankful for it. Well, it's really give me a sense of community too, and now I get to uh, you know communicate with so many great minds. It's it's awesome. As yep. a listen, as
3: a listener, just as a listener, like I think you add a lot to the show. So and I cool appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, me and Thrive had that conversation off air. You guys make a good team.
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah. Thank you. He he does add a lot to it, and just his his knowledge base is great too. With all this interesting. Um, paranormal and then also the, kind of the conspiracy stuff too that we talk about and
1: i'm a total you know, generalist though that's a thing but
2: yeah, as am i yeah. so we have some good conversations and um we definitely kind of dig deep into into all this material but uh, it's it's great to have a uh it's great to have a co-host that uh when you ask them like what do they think they're not like uh, uh i don't know dude
3: <laughs> so
2: so <laughs> you know <laughs> to have that, you know, that, that, that give and take, that's what you want. Oh so. yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Surf, did you catch the, um, series on Mormonism last podcast on the left? Did?
1: No, no, I did not. I've been listening to a couple, uh, a couple shows, uh, on, uh, Mormonism, different podcasts. Um, I was trying to remember one what was, the, was that one I was listening to Adam? I don't know, but, but yeah, it's, uh, and now um, I've been really studying the uh, the mound builders' mythos and a lot of this like antiquarian history around here too, and how much that influenced uh, like people like Andrew Jackson and um, the you know this this whole kind of uh, you know British Israelism stuff and how much it even it influenced the entire you know uh, move westward and uh, everything is really easy for me to. Understand because I I understand that background really you know so it, it all it all ties in now so a lot of these things I'm studying now really come full circle with a lot of things I heard through my childhood and learning family history and stuff so it's it's pretty wild.
3: Last podcast did I think it was four or five episodes they just, just did a huge deep dive on Mormonism and uh, as someone who you know grew up in that it'd probably be pretty interesting series yeah. To, uh, well and that.
1: I have to I have to say that uh, I. I spent my early childhood in a, uh, what was called the reorganized church, not, not like the fundamentalists. Um, but this was basically, uh, it was a split when, um, Joseph Smith died. Uh, the family members who I'm descended from stayed in, uh, Nauvoo and bring him young and then went out West. And, It was pretty much just like a regular Protestant mainstream church, just that had a couple extra books, Uh, all the ritual and Freemasonic influences and all that stuff was, it was not there at all. Mm. So, so I definitely did not, uh, I had a hard time fitting in with a lot of Mormons uh, just in, in school because especially like Mesa was very heavily Mormon populated, um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't have that Mormon experience though. I'm just familiar like with the stories and we were enough at a. My parents were already enough at a distance that it was, it was just kind of like a lens that kind of gave me some, you know, real sociological history lessons at a really young age.
3: Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any experience with anything weird unexplained?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh definitely felt presences definitely seen strange lights in the sky uh I'm pretty sure i've been touched by a few uh whatever you want to call it entities ghosts etc seen seen things move violently uh, by themselves um and then uh i'm just really into synchronicity too and uh I think with magic and the occult and symbolism, when you concentrate a lot of psychic energy on things, you will, you know, start really seeing crazy synchronicity in your life, and that's been uh, my life for the last couple of years. Um, and so yeah, I've, I've definitely had some some strange experiences.
3: Yeah, I think I mean I could do almost every episode on synchronicity. I mean, I yeah. since since doing the episode with Tobe, we've just had this back and forth where it's just continued. And it's like I want to tell everybody about it, but you know I can't do every episode with Tobe just talking about the weird stuff that's that's happening back and forth. So you know, yeah, and I, a
1: lot of it's it gets really personal to you know. To, yes, if, if people may not understand your frames of references, so it's not as you know. But the impact that that it has on you is is what's important.
3: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and we it's so personal that it's to somebody else. It's like so. <laughs>
5: yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. yeah. But a
1: lot of a lot of uh, things recently have really centered around uh, the sense of place of a neighborhood I've I've been at in uh, in Nashville for a long time and uh, place from my childhood that I've since learned the history of and they have all this crazy uh, cold stuff in it and uh, it's really blown my mind and it's it's been really cool and it's uh, like. I've been able to tie in uh, several places that had a lot of significance in uh, growing up and coming of age here, and when going back and really digging and learning the history of these places, a lot of them have like either uh, really terrible events that happened, or there's weird occult significance and history, and so it's 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 been pretty wild.
3: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I always recommend people do, like if if they contact me and like, like, you know, like, how do I do, you know, what you do? How do I find these stories and stuff? Like start where you live and dig and, and start digging and, uh, you'll be amazed what you find.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of times the most, uh, the most personal things too have, have a lot more underneath them. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, right places that have significance, uh, special significance to you. You know, you can find all kinds of patterns and then you just, uh, Start down that way of thinking, but um, I guess you know I have to give a lot of credit to uh to my uh psychedelic exploration also when I was coming of age. Um, I think that definitely turned me on to a lot of these ideas uh helped me get out of the limitations of a lot of subculture stuff and uh just be a lot more mentally free it's been been a real journey this uh this last year and a half with conspira normal too like simultaneously. Uh, you know, it's yep. coinciding with uh, all this other stuff in my life, so it's it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, it is neat, and it's neat when uh, the synchronicities start crossing over, and things you start doing on the show start coming in into life, and you'll start. It, it's just amazing how this stuff kind of blossoms.
1: <laughs> yeah, buddy.
3: Strange Realities Conference, October nineteenth, Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Strangerealitiesconference.com. dot com. Yes, sir.
3: And that's Joshua Cutchin, Tim Benal, conspiratorial Podcast,
2: Mark Anthony Wyatt, Guy Malone, Zach Hunt, Zach Hunt, this guy here, Joe, Tim, Joe Tim and you,
3: Tim <laughs> Renner. What time? to in
2: spirit. Yeah, we we want yes. to come too. He's a but you're refusing to send the UFO. Yeah,
1: <laughs> can you astral project in?
2: <laughs> we, were thinking about doing a, we were thinking about doing a ritual and just like conjuring Soraya from the depths. I'm,
3: I'm willing to that, take see part. See if that would work. I'll bring the fields of the Nephilim.
2: There you go. Play some Psychonaut.
3: That'll help. For the soundtrack, yes. So uh, what time does it start, Strange Realities? 10 a.m.?
2: The doors are going to be opening by 9.45, and we are going to start at 10 o'clock, and the first presentation is at 10.15.
3: Awesome. That's this weekend, everybody. If you can In stop that out. That's central time. Stop out. Probably. And where can people find Conspiranormal?
2: They can find Conspiranormal at conspiranormal.com. We've got uh, all the archives going back to 2012. Almost 300 episodes now on uh, Conspiranormal.potomatic.com. And we're on YouTube as well. And just about everywhere else you can find podcasts.
3: 300 episodes. Just about. Wow. And uh, Soraya, where did the road go? Uh,
4: It went to com.
3: There you go. I set that up and you you just hit it out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to trip me up, huh? (laughs) It's not hard. Don't worry. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on Strange Familiars.
4: Thank you. Oh, good time as always.
3: Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope to see you at the Strange Realities Conference in Nashville on Saturday. I will be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Because I will be in Nashville this weekend and traveling in the early part of next week, we may not have an episode next week. We'll see. I'll do my best to get an episode out next Thursday. If not, we'll be back very soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Before we go, I wanted to thank Joshua F. for his PayPal donation. Thank you very much, Joshua. Remember, you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Talk to you soon. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars gathering group, and we are on Instagram, at Strange Familiars.
5: Hey Tim, this is Patrick. Funny little story here that I think you'll like. I was driving home from work, you know, a couple of I stopped just a couple of days ago actually. Um it was nighttime and on the, like a rural road, not much there, a couple of houses, you know, spread, you know, spread out. And I'm driving home and all the, and I see this guy in the distance on the, he's wrapped in lights, Christmas lights. From head to toe, his legs, arms, body, head all wrapped in these Christmas lights. And he's dancing on the side of the road. Now, you know, that's kind of odd enough, but the kicker here, and you'll like this, is he was wearing a bunny suit. A guy wearing a bunny suit, wrapped all in Christmas lights. You know, the ears are wrapped, everything, bunny suit, lit up just dancing on the side of, side of a rural road out in the middle, almost middle of nowhere. I don't know what to say about that. I know you like the bunny men, so there you go. Love the show. I like your music and your art. You know, you know what you're doing. So keep it up, buddy. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Clean with drops of red. Tears mark all the paths that I roam. Tears will